Amen. So we're going to start out in Psalm 143 this morning. It's one of the more powerful psalms. And one of the things that we're going to be dealing with today is God's will for our lives. God's will for our lives. A lot of times I was, um, you know, talking earlier, but, you know, whenever you talk to younger generation, that's what everybody wants to know. What's God's will for my life? What is God's will for my life? But you know what? You should never outgrow that. You should never outgrow that. No matter how seasoned we are in the Lord, we should be longing to, to, for his will to be done in our lives. Because I want you to know, if you're still here on earth, God can use you, God wants to use you, and God has a will for you. Come on now. And, and, and so what we're going to do, we're going to pick up in, in verse, number, uh, verse number, let's start with verse number nine. So 143, verse number nine. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. I flee unto thee to hide me. A powerful verse. And one thing I will point out is that deliverance comes from God. Deliverance comes from God, and the way that God delivers you is he shelters you from within himself. The only deliverance any person can ever have is God. Any deliverance that comes from 12 steps, 14 steps, and tying your hand behind your back will ultimately fail. The only deliverance that is sustainable and is true, pure victory is the victory that we have by faith in Jesus Christ. And by his stripes we were healed. Every single bondage, every single iniquity is broken by the blood of the Lamb. Deliverance is at his feet, at his cross. Amen. That's where all of hell was defeated. That's where every curse that, that Satan had put on you was broken. You don't have to fall under a generational curse when you go to the cross. Come on. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all our iniquities. Amen. And so you don't have to walk around cursed. You can walk around blessed. But God's not going to tie your hand behind your back. He wants you to come willingly and surrenderingly. And when you come his way to his cross, he brings his deliverance, which is a true deliverance. Amen. See, I always tell people, if God delivers you from something, like if, if you're, you're saying, I'm just trying to quit smoking. Look, if God's delivering you, you don't need Nicorette. Because God's deliverance is complete. When God delivers his children out of Egypt, come on now, they left. They didn't have to go back and pay taxes. They were completely and totally set free. When God delivers his children, he delivers them completely. And if you desire deliverance over an issue, you go to the cross, you surrender to him, and he will sever he will sever every demonic and worldly curse that's been put on your life in Jesus' name. The deliverance is in him by his stripes. So deliverance is in him, and look what he says. So deliver me, Lord, from my enemies. I flee to thee to hide me. Now, once I'm at the cross, once I'm at his feet, what do I do? That's the question. What do I do? What do I do now? So we're talking about God's will for my life. Well, first off, God's will is that you get saved. God's will 
for the world. Amen? God's not willing. God's not willing that any should perish. Come on. God's not willing that any should perish, but that we would be saved. That's why he sent the Son. So once we see the cross as deliverance, look what it says in verse number 10. Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. A couple of things I want to point out, and we're going to take this into the New Testament, but I just want to point something out out of this verse. Number one, it's a desire that God teaches you. The number one reason why most people don't go any further with God is because they're not teachable. You first and foremost have to have a teachable spirit. Is God able to correct us? That's the question. If, you're, if you have a willing, teachable heart, God will instruct you. God is not limited. God's not befuddled by what you're into. God's not wringing his hands trying to figure out how to get you out of the mess you're in. God's not wringing his hands trying to figure out how to get your family saved. God has a plan. God has wisdom. But most often, the reason we don't learn, the reason we don't walk as we should is because we have unteachable hearts. You try to teach somebody that don't want to listen, you're going to be talking to the wall. And I imagine that's probably how the Lord sees a lot of us. And I include my hand on that. We all, we all get in those seasons. But it's imperative that we have, as the Lord asks, ears to hear. If you have ears to hear, God will learn you something. That's how, I used to, that's how my family used to talk. I'm going to learn you something, boy. Well, you know what? If you'll get an ear to hear God, if you'll get an ear for him, if you'll tune into his voice, God will learn you something. God will teach you the way you ought to go. He'll teach you the way you ought to walk. He'll put a new song in your heart and, a new, and he will put new words in your mouth. He'll give you a new language, a heavenly language. And we're going to get there, don't worry. So he said, teach me to do thy will. For thou art my God. So secondly, number one, you've got to have a teachable heart. But secondly, is he your God? Is he your God or are you still in control? Do you got one of those bumper stickers on your back? It says, God's my co-pilot. Huh? Do you got one of those bumper stickers on your back? Because he don't share the throne with none. He said, he is God alone, and beside me there is none. Amen. And you shouldn't need a dictionary to look up what none means, right? We don't have to pick apart the Bible on the word none or all or anything like that. He said, beside me there's none. He's not going to share the throne. He's not. And so in order for us to understand and discern God's will for our lives, number one, do you have a teachable spirit? And number two, are you surrendered to him? Is he your God? Or do you only surrender up to a point? Do you only let him be your God when it's comfortable, but what about when it's not? The good times. The good times, everybody's singing and shouting hallelujah. But in the valley of the shadow of death, do you still hold his hand? Is he still leading you when you can't see in front of you? Because see, it's in those times when you can't see. 
It's in those times that you can't see that you must hold his hand. As that song says, hold his unchanging hand. Hold on to his unchanging hand. He never lets go. He never lets go. We do. He never lets go. We do. Now, let me show you something. If you'll, if you'll turn it over to Ephesians chapter number five, we're going to pick up this um, talking about God's will. Ephesians chapter number five. Now, Ephesians 5 is all about our walk. Number Chapter 4 is all about our equipping, and chapter 5 is all about our walk. All throughout the chapter, you see that it, it is, if you're a child of God, you're a child of light, and if you're a child of light, you're not supposed to walk in darkness. We've been called, we've been set apart. We are a peculiar people. We are pilgrims here on this earth. We are sojourners, aliens in the land. This world's not our home. We're looking for a continuing city. Our Lord one day is going to call us home. And so, as you see chapter 5, it's all about God telling you, you're a child of light. Walk like it. You're not of the darkness. Don't talk like it. Don't act like it. Don't live like it. Come out of the darkness and get into the light. And, and, and it's sad to say that a lot of church folks need to hear that. God never called us to imitate darkness. God never, God doesn't draw people by the means of the world. He draws people by the lifting up of Jesus Christ. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself is what Jesus said. And Yet what we do is we use the worldly means to try to bring people into a church. Why? Because we're not building his kingdom. We're trying to build our kingdom. If we're trying to build his kingdom, we will do it his way. But if we're trying to build our kingdom, we do it the world's way. And so one of the things that you see is we're all leaning and we're all walking either by our own will or by God's will. We're doing our own thing or we're doing God's thing. And, and, and every single one of us have those choices every day. Every day that we wake up, you wake up with the old same flesh and you wake up with the same spirit of God. And which one you walk in is your choice. Go read Galatians 5 again, 16 and 17. The flesh and the spirit are at war one with the other. They're at enmity. Now, as we get into this... Obviously, understand there's, there's two wills that we're talking about, your will and God's will. Look at verse number 14. We'll start here. It says, Wherefore he saith, Awake, thou that sleepest. Do you hear, can you hear the Lord saying that to the church today? Come on. Awake. Thou that sleepest. And I could hear somebody saying, I'm not asleep. Look, if you're, not, if you're not living in the light of Jesus Christ, you are exactly asleep. You're trying to go through with your own understanding, you're doing things your own way, you are asleep to the way of God. Wherefore, he says, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead and Christ shall give thee light. Listen, there is light 
for you and for me to walk in, there is light available for the path before us. It doesn't have to be dark in front of you if you'll walk in the light of Jesus Christ. He will go before you. He will prepare a way in front of you. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Did he not? Verse number 15. Because Jesus is the way, because he will give us light to walk in, because of that, See then, verse number 15, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. We're going to stop there for a minute. Now, let's go back up into this and look at it. It said that we are called to arise out of the darkness, that Christ would give us light. Because of that, he says, walk circumspectly. What does it mean to walk circumspectly, first off? Because we're called to walk circumspectly. Look, not as fools, but as wise. So what is it? To walk circumspectly, it means to walk exactly. To know beyond a shadow of a doubt the path you're walking on. To not have any doubt whatsoever on where your steps are going. In order for you or for me to walk circumspectly with God, there's three things. Number one, you've got to deliberate. You've got to deliberate. You've got to decide and you've got to be determined. First off, what are you deliberating? Are you going to go God's way or yours? If you're going to walk circumspectfully, you've got to know God's will. You've got to know the direction God wants you to go. You've got to be willing to submit and surrender to his spirit. You've got to deliberate. Which way do you want to go? Then you've got to decide. This is the way. I'm not going to the left. I'm not going to the right. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding, but I'm going to follow him. Then you've got to be determined. You know what it means to be determined? We don't know what that means anymore. Determination. Determination is guts. It means I'm not letting go. I'm following you, Lord. I am going this way, and I am not going to be detoured. I am not going to be wavering. I am not going to be flaky. I'm not going to fall backwards. I'm going to continue on till you call me home. I am determined to follow your will for my life. I am determined. It is a, a, a tenacity that you've got to have. Because there's times that we go through trials and tribulations in this life that will be gut check moments. And in the gut check moments, you've got to have guts. You've got to have that desire deep within to not let go. 
What do, you, what do you think whenever you see these great men of God all throughout the Bible as they go through trials and, and, and temptations, those gut check moments? What about David? Look at his life. I think one of the greatest gut check moments we, we don't even think of is the time that the Ark of the Covenant was taken away and it was taken into Philistia. And they brought it back, and, and, and one of the guys, you remember, he tried to steady it, and he was killed. And, and after a while, after a season, David was finally like, look, we've got to bring the ark home. We've got to bring it home. And as they were bringing it home, they, they decided to do things the right way, God's way. And, and the procession, going back, we're finally, look, because look, we don't get it. Because the ark represented God. It represented his presence. He didn't meet with them apart from the ark. And, and, and they were finally bringing the presence of God back to the temple of God, to the city of God. They were finally bringing it home, and David was dancing before it. David was overjoyed, right? And you know what? His wife looked out the window, and oh, look at this guy. Oh, yeah, look at him. You should be ashamed, you know? She, she said, look. Look how vile you are. He said, look, I can get worse than this. He said, you think this is something? I can get worse than this. And he really started dancing before God. You, but that's a gut check moment. Because that's one of those times where you've done what you're supposed to do, right? And somebody, and you know, most of the time, those gut check moments come from people that you know or love. They come from people that you trust. And they inflict those words. Oh, look at you all, haughty. You think you something now. Those words are, are, are like fiery darts. They will, they will pierce. They will pierce. And so in those moments, you've got to know who you are. And more important than knowing who you are, you've got to know whose you are. You've got to know that God sought you. You've got to know that God bought you. You are purchased Come on, not with money. You are purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ himself. Amen. And because of whose you are and the cost that he paid for you, hey, suffer it, suffer it. Count it all joy. Count it all joy is what James said. When you enter into temptations and trials, count it all joy. How? Because God's with you. God's with you. When you're having to walk those kinds of roads, God is with you. He said, I will not leave you and I will not forsake you. He will be with you to the very end. So don't get weary. Don't get down and out. When the pressure comes on, the Lord rises. When the enemy comes in like a flood, what does the Spirit of the Lord do? What does the Spirit of the Lord do? The Bible says he raises up a standard against him. Oh, it's getting too hard. It's getting too hard for me. The harder it gets, the stronger God is. The darker it gets, the brighter his light is. Come on now. And the more the enemy lies, the more beautiful the truth is. 
Oh, the enemy comes in like a flood. Let him. Because as he does it, the Spirit of the Lord lifts up a standard against him. Amen? God's true. His word is true. You better, you better hold on to his word. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Don't let the enemy lie to you. Come on now. So he said that we are called to walk circumspectly. That's deliberate, decided, and determined. Are you determined? Are you determined? Now, when you walk circumspectly, it will automatically place you in a category called walking in wisdom. You see, there's, you're either walking as a fool, if you go back and read Proverbs, right? Someone's either foolish or wise. What does it mean to be wise? It means that you're walking in the fear of the Lord. It means you're not wanting to misstep. You're not wanting to go to the left. You're not wanting to go to the right. But you are deliberate, decided, and determined to go according to the path that God has before you, whatever the cost. Whatever the cost, I will follow you, God, whatever the cost. I will give up whatever I have to give up. I will do whatever I have to do. I will sell whatever I have to sell. I will buy whatever I have to buy. Whatever, whatever the cost, I will follow you, God. That's wisdom. That is wisdom. It is following God. How could you not see that? Wisdom is to follow God. Foolishness is to follow self. A fool indulges his flesh. You might say for a season, for a day, for a year, whatever. A fool indulges his flesh. A wise person follows God. That right there will put you on the path to knowing and discerning God's will. What, what, what we've got to see is that the, the will for God for our lives is to follow him. Follow him. To follow him. Now, when we walk circumspectfully, it puts us in a position of wisdom. Let me show you something in Proverbs 28 real quick. Just turn over there real fast to Proverbs 28. And we'll go to verse number 26. It says in verse number 26, He that trusteth in his own heart is a fool. I know what's best for me. That preacher been trying to tell me what to do. I know what to do. I know that's what the Bible says, but you know, I'm just not like that. That's just not me. You don't have to be all like that. That's the flesh talking. That's the flesh talking. That's somebody's heart talking. That's a fool talking. Well, I know the Bible says we got to do this, but you know, you don't have to be that hardcore. Who do you think you're fooling? That you do it is you're showing yourself to be a fool. I know that I know that the Bible says that we're supposed to do this or that, but you know, you don't have to do it that, you know, you don't have to be all like that. You're gonna follow your heart? 
you're going to follow him. He that trusts in his own heart is a fool. But whoso walketh wisely, he shall be delivered. Do you see there are two choices? You either walk according to your own heart or you're walking according to God's heart. When we're talking about being wise, as it said over in Ephesians 5, we're looking at either it's your will for your life or God's will for your life. And, and I know we just came out of the, the great, you know, humanism. Everything's humanistic. Everything's about to be a better you. But the Bible is about God. This is, you know, it's a... The whole thing about the Bible is written about God's glory. It is that God be magnified. That we understand how beautiful our God is. And even if you don't cry out, the rocks will. Even if you don't see how beautiful He is, creation does. Even if you're not longing that He comes back, creation does. Heard somebody say, man is the only thing that is not impressed by God. Even the rocks would cry out. All of creation longs for that day. And all man wants is their favorite politician elected and to get McDonald's. Or that their favorite ball team wins. We going to sign so-and-so for our team? We get all wrapped up in the things of the world. And yet creation longs for the return of the king. The whole Bible is about his glory. It's about getting you to see how beautiful he is. Once you see how beautiful he is, oh, everything changes. That's how you can count it all joy when you go through trials and temptations. Because you're not going through anything he didn't. You're not enduring nothing. We have a savior who, who he's... He, he was touched by our infirmities. He went through trials. He felt them. He walked through them and was victorious over them. And he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He could have just let us as fallen men go straight into hell with Lucifer. But he chose to be a redeemer to a people, to a people who for the most part could care less. But there's going to be a day. The Bible says there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I promise you by the authority of the word of God on that day, everyone will care. But it'll be too late for a lot. The road is narrow. Few there be that find it. It's now. He's a now savior. Now's the time to get right with the Lord. Now's the time to stop leaning on our own understanding. Now's the time to surrender. Now is the time. We don't play games because any of us could be called home at any time. 
Now, as, as you see this verse number 26, there, there is two different things that you can clearly see. One person is trusting in his own heart. The other person is trusting in the Lord. This is about our will, like I said. It, it is about the battle of the wills. Understand this. You will never know God's will for your life till you let go of yours. If you're still holding on to yours, you'll never know his. He don't share the throne. I told you that earlier. Try to prepare you. But if you want to understand and know God's will, you got to be willing to let go of yours. Well, you know what? That was telling our people in the nursing home. Anytime somebody teaches you something, you ought to be able to see it in the life of Jesus. Right? You ought to be able to see it in the life of Jesus. Let's see. Let's go look over there. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. We're going to go down to verse number 40. Luke 22, beginning in verse 40. This is the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane. Something was crushed there. Something was crushed in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I'll tell you what it was. It was the will of flesh. The will of flesh was crushed in the garden. And the surrender to the Spirit was complete. And we will never accomplish what God calls us to accomplish. We will never do what God calls us to do till we finally and totally surrender our will to His. Look, don't tell me you're exempt from this when Jesus did it. If Jesus had to surrender the will of his flesh, got bad news for you. You do too. That goes over the flesh like a fingernails on a chalkboard. Our flesh don't like that. But look, he's a beautiful savior. Watch this in verse number, did I tell you number 40? He said, when he was at the place, that's the Garden of Gethsemane, he said unto them, pray that you enter not into temptation. How many of y'all pray that? Sometimes we're like, I don't know what I should pray for. Maybe you should pray that one. Pray that you enter not into temptation. And when he was withdrawn from them, about a stone's cast, he kneeled down and prayed. What did he say? Verse number 42, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Hey, I got a question for you. Is it mine or thine? Whose will do you live for? Mine or thine? Have you surrendered your will to God? Or are you still trying to play 50-50? Like I give God my, I give, I give God Sunday. I, I put tip in the offering plate. I do this, I do that. But are you his? Are you his? Not are you his for an hour on Sunday. Not are you his when, you know, the preacher's around. Not are you his on Bible study night. 
are you his? Whose will do you live for? Mine or thine? And you see, the Lord exampled this. He embodied it. He displayed it right here in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, nevertheless, Lord, not my will, but thine. And in case you need to, you know, a refresher on the King James. Whenever thy, thee, or thine is used, it is singular. It means one person and one person alone. So when the Lord said, not mine, but thine, he said it doesn't belong to anybody else, but it is you and you alone whose will will be done for this life. And that's the same laying down or surrendering that God calls all of us to. Wisdom is a surrendered will. Wisdom is a surrendered will. See, we, we, we read that over in Proverbs 28. You follow your own heart, the Bible says you're a fool. And you'll always be a fool, no matter how much schooling you get. A lot of times, the more schooling you get, the more foolish you get. Because you start, pride gets in this equation. Not knocking school, I mean... But listen, it is about the laying down or the surrendering of our will to God. Until we get that, we're a fool. As long as we try to do things our own way, with our own understanding, the Bible declares, not suggests, declares we are fools. And until we get this, until we get the mine or thine will down, we will stay fools. You can cry. You can write letters to evangelists on TV. You can go to conferences. You can buy DVDs. You can uh, send in $49.99 for the special anointing from that, you know, that thief on TV. You can do all that kind of stuff. You can do it all. You can do it all. But until you surrender your will, it is all vanity. You will never understand God's will for your life till you surrender your will to his. Only a surrendered will will know the secret things of God. Only a surrendered will will find the glory of God at Calvary. And only a surrendered will will be used by God. Now turn in your Bibles back to Ephesians chapter 5. Let me finish this up a little bit. Circumspect walking is what we've been called to live. Let's just look at this verse number 15 again real quick. It said, see then that you walk circumspectfully. Not as fools, but as wise. Do you see the correlation now? God's called you to walk exactly. Not kinda. Not shady. Not, you know, half and half. Circumspectfully. That means exact. The path he wants you to go. Come on now. No looking back. Don't hold on to who you used to be. Hold on to Calvary. Don't hold on to who you were because who you were was rotten. 
Hold on to who God is making you to be. Be all in out for him. So he said, don't be, don't be fools, but be wise. I love that. I love how plain the Bible is. And, and, and you know, to know the Bible, you got to have the spirit of God. It's, it's a spiritual book. It's spiritually discerned. The, the flesh don't get it. The flesh looks at it like a, a, you know, tries to dissect it. Well, it was written in, in, you know, this year, and it was written. In, look, I like the way old Wigglesworth said. He said, some people read the Bible in Hebrew, and some people read it in Greek, but I choose to read it in the Holy Ghost. <laughs> and these spiritual things, they got to be spiritually discerned. They got to be spiritually discerned. The mind of the flesh can't get it. Can't get it. But I love how plain it is. The Bible says you're either a fool or you're wise. And it don't matter about where you went to school. It don't matter about how, how your grammar is. It don't matter about what kind of education you got. Because God will learn you something if you'll surrender your will to him. God, God can turn someone wise that everyone else despises. Look at the life of David. I was using him as an example. But look, whenever they were looking for another king, what happened, what happened to Saul? Right? He was disobedient, and he got dethroned. The conditional promise of God was broken. He said, I would have put your family on the throne forever. Conditional promises are powerful. But look, they were looking for another. We're going to anoint somebody to be the next king. Bring all your sons, Jesse. Here they all are. The one that was despised was the one God used. The runt. The one that was looked over. Everybody was looking for the tallest, the broadest shoulders, the brightest, the most outspoken. They were looking for the beautiful. But God was looking for the humble. The world looks for the beautiful and God looks for the humble. And it takes humility to lay down your will to God. It takes humility. So here's the thing. If, if, if you will walk circumspectly, God said in the next verse, look at the next verse, you will be, it, 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 and it's not even a question. It's not even a question. But if you'll walk in the light of Jesus... If you'll walk with a surrendered will, you will be redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. That's verse number 16. Because the days are evil. Redeeming the time means you're going to be buying it back. The world right now, the Bible says that the, the enemy, the devil, he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's the prince of the power of the air. The days, the Bible says here, are evil. That's what the days are. And if you're a child of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, with a surrendered will to God, God will use you to redeem the time. In other words, God will buy back some of these evil days and he will turn them and point people to the cross of Jesus Christ. And, to, and you and I have that call from this day till the day we draw our last breath to redeem time to purchase it back don't let the devil have today if you're here today don't let the devil have it 
buy it back. And the only way you can buy it back is to walk in the spirit of God, illuminated by the light of God, surrendered your will to God. Purchase it back. Redeeming the time for the days are evil. Do you understand that, that the devil wants to rule the day, but you have the light that is brighter than the darkness in you, child of God? Do you not remember that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world to the glory of the Lamb? Oh, glory to the Lamb. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. That light is bright within you. I know it's dark out there. I know they're talking all kinds of crazy stuff out there. I know that the, our nation is going the way it's going, but we've got the light of Jesus Christ in us. It's time to let our light shine. It's time to let our light shine. Isn't that what he said in Matthew 5? A city on a hill, it can't be hid. It can't be hit. It's time to, it's time to take the, the, the box off the top of it. Right? It's time to let the light out. Let the light shine. Let your light so shine before men, right? That they do what? Glorify you? No. Glorify the Father. Glorify the Father. Oh, let your light so shine. And it takes a surrendered will to get there. Now, a couple of things that we've got we've to do on this understand to redeem the time means that you are a vessel that God can use in this world if if on the redeeming time it means you are a surrendered vessel that God can use in this world he's not looking for beautiful vessels he's not looking for the bright loud vessels he's not looking for the educated vessels he's looking for willing and clean vessels Willing and clean vessels means surrendered will, right? Surrendered will, cleansed by the blood. Willing and clean. Now, let's take that a little bit deeper. Let's take that a little bit deeper. Our will versus God's will. Understand, the will of the flesh, the will of the flesh, I could sum it up in, Two words, lawn chairs and leisure. The will of the flesh shrinks back from the call of God. If, if you want to sum up the will of the flesh, it is lawn chairs and leisure. I don't have to do that. I don't have to go there. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. Well, yeah, if your will's not surrendered to God, you don't have to do nothing. But if your will is surrendered to God, I got news for you. You got to do something. If you're surrendered to God, you're going to be motivated by the Spirit of God. He's going to use you in the world today. Will of the flesh summarized two words, lawn chairs and leisure. You know what we got too much of in the church world? You got it. Lawn chairs and leisure. Coffee bars, tiki bars, and... All kinds of bars, bars we shouldn't be having in the church. We got all kinds of stuff. That's why people move the pulpit out and put the bar stool in. It's like an old preacher said. He said when the air conditioning came out, 
came in, the prayer condition, and went out. And say, hey, when, when, the, when the bar stool came in and the pulpit went out, so did the power of God. That's why you got to have laser lights and smoke machines because you got no, you got no anointing, you got no unction because you're leaning on the arm of the flesh. God won't honor the arm of the flesh. You, you can write me off or whatever, but God will not honor the flesh. You need to go read James 4. The, the world, if you're a friend of the world, you're an enemy of God. He drew the line, not us. Got a problem, you got a problem with the word. And the word don't change. I said the word don't change because God don't change. Amen. Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. God don't change. The word don't change. We supposed to change. We supposed to change and line ourselves up to what the word says. So you got two words I would say describes the, the, the will of the flesh that is lawn chairs and leisure. Two words I would say would summarize God's will for our lives. That we be a living sacrifice and a light for others. A living sacrifice and a light for others. You know Romans 12, right? Present yourselves a living sacrifice. Come on, holy and acceptable to him. And what? It's the will of God. It's the will of God. A, a living sacrifice. That's what God has called us to be. Continually living. You know what the problem is with the living sacrifice? We don't understand because we don't have this kind of system anymore. We don't have those altars where animals are, are slain. But the problem with a living sacrifice, if you lay on an altar, you can get off. That means every day of your life, every moment of your life, you are to give your life to God. A living sacrifice is a continual sacrifice, a continual surrendering of my will to thy will. That's the call that God has for us. Now, in the light for others. See, as you walk in the light, God will bring others out of darkness. One thing I got to say is we come to a close. You cannot do this in your own strength. There's a reason why the next verse is the next verse. Be not drunk with wine. Why? God is not for being drunk. Drunk, don't you remember? Drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, I don't like that verse. You want, you want to cut it out? You want to be that bold? You want to cut it out? Because that's what God said. But he said, be not drunk with wine, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. You understand, you can't do this on your own. You, you submit and you surrender, but the empowering comes from the filling of the Spirit of God. 
You cannot do it by your flesh. You don't have the umption. It, it is only through the empowering or the illuminating of the Spirit of God within you. You try to do it on your own, it's going to be like walking through mud. Every step you take is going to get harder and harder and harder. But when you are filled with the Spirit of God, He not only equips you, but He empowers you to do all that He has called you to do. What He's called you to do is greater than you. To be a light in this dark world, you have to have the infilling of the Holy Ghost. You have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost to be able to be or do what God has called you to be or do. Without it, without it, your flesh will fail. The empowering of the Holy Spirit is what it takes to sustain us. And this feeling, this feeling, don't look, it is right after that. The way that you're able to do the will of God for your life, you have to stay filled with the Spirit of God. Hey, if you, if you are doing, if you are doing the will of God and you're not being filled by the Spirit of God continually, you're not doing the will of God. You're doing the will of you. See, in, in the electrical world, we have that, what we call the path of least resistance. You know what the path of least resistance is? That means electricity takes the shortcut every time. If you're the shortcut, it'll take you. Got it? That's how most people live their lives. They live the life of the path of least resistance instead of courageously surrendering your will, living the life God called you to live, going the way God called you to go, empowered by the Spirit of God, filled by His Spirit. It's the only way that you can accomplish what God has for you. So if you're walking and doing without the Spirit of God filling you, you're not doing what He called you to do. You're not. You, you might know it, but you're not accomplishing it. Or you might just be living the lawn chair in life of leisure, but God has called you to walk wisely, not as fools. Understanding what his will is. And his will is that you and I be filled with his spirit. It is imperative. It is imperative that we come to him and be renewed and refreshed and reignited by the power of God in our lives. Without it, without it, we are Walking by flesh, not by faith. Father, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to hear your word.